Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back with Season 3, Episode 100, as Andy and I uh, are sitting here in the middle of preseason hockey. It's a Sunday. It's a rainy Sunday afternoon, and the Jets won, the Giants won, Rangers are coming off of a win, uh, the Mets are struggling, the Yankees are chugging along. Uh, Andy, just another October Sunday afternoon. And uh, I have to ask you, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm doing good. Today was a little bit hectic for me and had to do a lot of errands today, uh, which sucked, obviously, with this rain. Uh, and I was all frazzled. I'm like, yeah, the Jets are blowing it again, of course. But lo and behold, they pull it out, which is was pretty amazing to me. Uh, so, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I was I was ready to, I was done with Zach Wilson, but, you know. He's bought at least another week in my book, I guess. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm doing good. Like you said, uh, preseason hockey, right in dead center of it. Uh, Rangers look, yeah, good. They look goodish. You know, I, they really only had one game of the of the uh, four games they played. I only thought they had a poor showing in one of them, and it was mostly because half the, the guys on the ice were literally not going to make the team. You know, so, uh, so yeah. Um, but it's getting cold and brisk, and it's literally we're 10 days. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Excuse me, nine days out from the regular season. So uh, as you mentioned, the Rangers are currently in Rhode Island on a team bonding trip, which they, you know, teams usually do every year. So I think I made the joke, what, two weeks ago that they were going to TP David Quinn's uh, childhood home or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they have another, I believe their next game's on Wednesday, and then they have one more on Sunday, and then it's uh, for real. So. Yeah, exciting time. Yeah, and you know, you look at this team and they're starting to come together. I think this preseason in particular, I feel like all the people that had question marks around them have actually made cases for themselves, uh, which is actually very nice to actually see for once. And, you know, I, I just, I'm ready for the regular season to start. Uh, I don't take too much uh, merit or I don't, I don't take too much analysis or or takeaways from some of these preseason games other than, you know, are the guys that are cuss players, are they making a name for themselves? And you could say that they are. And, you know, I just want to see energy. I just want to see effort. 
you know, you know, the guys that are going to make the team, it looks to me like they're having fun. They're bonding with each other. They look like a team that uh, maybe is midseason form with, you know, how they act and joking around. And, you know, I just kind of hope that, you know, the younger guys that were, you know, you know, first and second year last year are a little bit more comfortable. They get a full preseason in. There's no more COVID kind of looming over their heads. Uh, you know, they know how to, you know, handle themselves as a professional hockey player in New York City. And, you know, the tension is eased and, you know, we can roll right into the season, um, you know, with a huge game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I think the last two preseason games, I would imagine at least the last one, they'll start their full roster or most of it, uh, unless, uh, you know, bearing some injuries or, or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you might want to uh, sit a uh, Sammy Blay or a Goudreau and stuff like that. So the guys that, you know, maybe had, you know, tough injuries last year going into this year, maybe you can rest them. But yeah, uh, Andy, I think the biggest question mark right now for me going into the, you know, uh, regular season is who exactly is going to be on our fourth line come uh, October 11th? Oh, man, it's tough because... You know, uh, I I want to say Jimmy VC has made this team at least as an extra forward. But again, the cap situation, they might only, they, you know, they might only be able to, it's just, it's, they're not going to be able to hold all the extra forwards they did last year. So it's going to be tight. I mean, you know, I, I would say VC has shown enough that obviously, uh, I know it's a PTO, but you know, I don't know. I just, I think Jimmy's shown enough. Uh, obviously, you hope Carpenter hasn't impressed me at all, but we know Turk is familiar with him. So they say there might be competition for that spot, but, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe it does, it might not matter. Maybe he's Turk, a Turk guy. And unfortunately, that means he's going to get the spot. But, uh, you know, who's really surprised me in a good way is uh, Gustav Rudolph. He's been very impressive. He's very big. He's got good speed. He forechecks great. Uh, and every game I've noticed him in, it's been for positive reasons, you know. So, but that's the, the problem is that literally the, you, I, you have to imagine the, the three line, the kid line, uh, the top line, although I, it's good, I saw that uh, Barkley Goodrow is practicing with Samantha and Kreider. Uh, but you, you assume that Sammy Blay, Barkley Goodrow, um, are and and Reeves are locks for the team, but you're not really sure. So that really only leaves like one spot. So is Dryden Hunt going to make the team? I don't think. Uh, even though I liked he looked in the preseason, I think the Julian Gauthier experiment. You understand that for what he brings, it's just the awareness is not enough there. You know, even though he draw he draws penalties, but yeah, I I honestly think VC gets that final spot and. You're going to have Reeves, uh, Barkley Goudreau, and Carpenter, you know. So VC being the extra forward and Carpenter flipping on and off. But if it was up to me, it would be VC and, and Riedel if possible, you know. But, you know, and I unfor- I guess not unfortunately, but, you know, I, I do want Ryan Reeves around the team because it just does seem to impart that thing. I just don't necessarily know if I want him playing all the time, so. You know, but it's it's a shame. There's a lot of competition there. A guy like Dryden Hunt will probably get uh, picked up by another NHL team, you know, because I don't think he's going to make the roster. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, the, the only thing for me is, you know, I, that fourth line, I, I want to be, able, I want to see them, you know, put in goals and, you know, be a little bit more productive than they were last year. If you're telling me that like, like Carpenter's on that, I'd rather have a, I feel like they can be more productive with a VC and actually put the puck in the net uh, because he's got a little bit of offensive, you know, ability uh, compared to a Carpenter, which I feel like is just kind of like a big body and, and don't get me wrong, that's valuable and it definitely serves a purpose, but I just feel like VC has a little bit of an offensive touch and um, you know, when the season starts, I kind of want to see a fourth line that is a presence out there. You know, I want them to be able to keep the puck down in the offensive zone and and chew up time and, and create offensive opportunities. And I think with our defensemen and how offensive minded they can be, even the fourth line when you're out there, given the pairing, you know, whether that be obviously if Fox is out there, Keandre Miller's out there, even Truba. And then even the last pairing, I think Jones, if he gets the puck on you know, at the top of the blue line, I think he's going to be looking to fire it on goal and, and, you know, hopefully those guys can crash the net and, and cause chaos and, and, you know, actually be able to produce and, and put the puck in the net. So, um, you know, I want guys that are mobile a little bit quicker, maybe smarter with the puck in the offensive zone, and hopefully we can create something. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, I agree with you with the goat. I think just, he's just, it's just not all there upstairs, uh, the way he thinks the game which is a shame because he's such a big body. Um, he actually can move pretty good for his size. It's just that, you know, offense dies on his stick. And even the opportunities you've seen, you know, over the past couple of years with him, it just, even if he's got a breakaway, it just seems to just, there's no threat to put the puck in the net. So yeah, I can see him uh, struggling. Dryden Hunt, you know, I, I liked him last year. I just don't see a world in which he doesn't make the team though, which is, crazy because I feel like Gallant liked him, especially down the stretch where he was able to plug him anywhere and kind of fulfill that, you know, random role of, of, you know, whether that play second line or fourth line or, you know, PK or power, like, honestly, he was just kind of thrown out there in every situation. And, you know, there's value to that. A guy's going to work his butt off and, and just kind of fit in everywhere. Uh, you know, I guess my next question for you, I mean, given the last two games against the Devils, we played them a home and home. The first game, like you mentioned, we didn't really show up. You know, the guys that were out there weren't probably going to be, you know, rostered uh, come October 11th. And, you know, Devils had a lot of their starters playing, um, you know, yeah, especially, jeez, oh, um, uh, what's his name? Look good. Uh, Hamilton looked good. Uh, yeah, I guess Andy going, looking at the preseason right now, I know we have two games left, but are you happy with how some of the veterans have played? You know, I know we've spoken a lot about, you know, some of the role players that looking to make the team. Yeah. I mean, obviously for them, it's a tune up Panarin only played one game and he was the right. best player, best player yeah. on the ice for both teams. So in that sense of the win, it was a win, you know, uh, he look good. Lafreniere and Kako have looked good. Uh, Zabanajad looked fine. Kreider looked fine. Those two kind of looked more like they were treating as a little tune-up, but um, we didn't get to really see enough of Vinny Trocek, but the little bit I saw of him, I liked it. Um, you know, I think, obviously, the the person who's currently penciled in to be with Panarin and Trocek, Vitaly Kraftsov, I thought he got better every game. I thought the first game he was at, which I was in attendance, uh, you visibly saw him, just how frustrating 
you know, he was gripping his stick really tight. When if he would make a play and it would die or turn it over, he kind of would take instead of just getting right back into the play, I'd literally see him like just wince to himself and just kind of grit his teeth and go like, like, damn, or man, and then like get back, try to get like, you know, it's just he's he was clearly nervous about his performance and making the team. But it showed that every game he loosened up a bit. And then, you know, I thought the game uh, in Jersey, him, Panarin, uh, and Heedle together were good. They were clearly the best line, you know? So, um, yeah. So I just, I think he's shown that he'll get, he still has stuff to work on, but I think people need to remember that he hasn't had the, de- the development time in the NHL that Lafreniere and Kako have had, even though he's older. I know it's un- it might seem unfair, but due to the situation that all, where all parties are in, he's going to, the little things, uh, are gonna, he's still going to have to work on the little situational in-game speed things. But he'll get there because, again, Lafreniere and Kako are now looking like they have in spades. Although we remember that Kako dominated the preseason last year and then not much followed it. So you have to temper your expectations. But as far as the vets go, yeah, everyone's fine. I think the only one I didn't really see much of from was Sammy Blay. I would like to see it a little bit more. And I'm wondering if the fact that Goudreau practicing in that spot next or at least he was uh yeah he's practicing in a spot next to Kreider and Zibanejad means that maybe they're like you know what maybe it's they didn't see enough out of him to think he's either ready coming off of his injury or if it's just you know so I don't know what to make of that but I mean for them all I'm gonna say is overall for the preseason I think think most of the Rangers have looked good um I think it's really helped that the system is in place now a lot of them there's, it's clearly not as much guesswork going on, and Zach Jones has looked phenomenal. Um, you know, not he's not a world beater by any means, but I think he's just looked very comfortable. He's clearly beat Libor Hayek for that spot, and if he's not, <laughs> if it, if they do end up giving that final spot to Hayek, I'm going to lose my shit. But uh, Schneider had a rough first game, but I thought he looked much better the last game. I thought he was one of the best players in that game. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, I I don't see any reason why Jones and Schneider don't have that third pair locked down. So I think that's I think I covered everybody on the main roster. So yeah, and again, the well, the one thing that you did mention too earlier was Gaudreau replaces uh, Blay on that on that top line. If you're going to keep the kid line together, uh, how, you know, how do you feel about that? I mean, Gaudreau obviously moving to the first line was kind of an interesting move because he's been such a presence in the bottom six for this team. Uh, you know, how would he fare, you think, you know, playing with the top line? Sorry, say that again. You cut out for a second. No, I'm sorry. Well, I'm just saying, uh, you know, you mentioned that Goudreau uh, placed, replaced Belay on the top line. I was just curious of how you feel about oh. that. Like, Goudreau, how would you? Yeah, I doing? mean, I doubt either of them are really a first-line talent, and that's what stinks is that I see a lot of discourse online about breaking up the kid line and just putting Lafreniere on the top line. That, that'll be a better balance, uh, which, and I think there's merit to that. Do you, Lafreniere is clearly more talented than those two players. And yes, he'd be playing on his off wing. You lose, you leave the comfort of the kid line, but at the same time, you know, he'd be getting top line minutes with Savannah, John Kreider. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like he's not going to get any power play one time. They're going to go back to just putting Trocek in the bumper slot because like, you know, kind of where Strom was. So it's out basically for the, for the kids, you know? Um, but, but don't you feel like it's important to have that third line presence? Like looking at last well, year. Well, I do. I think that's, 
And that's, I think, the biggest thing is that I'm very torn because it's like it, that line has is comfortable with each other. I think it I think it's better for the Rangers future development to have them together on that third line and just run over other teams and just get comfortable doing that no matter what line they're at against. Whereas I think if you put Lafreniere with Mika and Kreider, I'm there's not you know, you hope he's got enough swagger now to like be the one to want to shoot the puck and, and dictate the pace. You know what I mean? But he might defer to them it, it, or he probably will, honestly. Or, and I think that happens sometimes where it's like, I don't know. There's a part of me that like, it might be, maybe it's better for the Rangers season to have Lafreniere up there, but it's probably better for their overall future to have him just have, leave the kid line alone. Just let, let them run rough shot, you know? So, yeah, but I, don't, yeah. I don't really know what the right answer is. Well, in my opinion on that, you can tell me if I'm wrong, is that if you're going to have the first line with Mika centering, Mika is a guy that is so dynamic at times that he can create the offense on his own. And between him and then Kreider kind of feeding off of, you know, Zibanejad, I would say that, listen, they're probably better off with a random right winger than they are with putting, you know, Lafreniere on his offside, you know, and the fact that the New York Rangers or in a situation in which they could have a dominant line, I think that's way more important than having, you know, a, you know, a, not a top, top heavy top six, and then kind of, you know, forfeiting any cohesiveness and, and, and synergy there on the, in that third line, especially because if you look at last year, I say this over and over again, the five on five goal scoring ability of the New York Rangers was not that great. And they basically, you know, depended on a top five PP, you know, to, you know, put up points, which is perfectly fine. And given the, you know, the group that we have on the top uh, power play, that's great. But, you know, you're going to need depth. You're going to need a top to bottom to be able to compete in the playoffs. And, you know, for me, I'd rather be able to have three scoring threats on the top line, you know, the, the second line and third line, and then, you know, have a, a fourth line that, you know, can kind of chug away and put the puck in a little bit more than they did last year. I think that's the perfect setup. Uh, I don't know if you have that if you take Lafreniere off that third line. I think you just have, if you move Lafreniere to that first line and, you, you know, you bring down, bring down a play, I really think that just inhibits that third line from being their, you know, being as productive as we kind of need them to be. So um, for me, I love the kid line at the third line and and I don't mind throwing a body that may not deservingly be there because you know Zabenajad is one of those players that can create the offense by himself and doesn't necessarily need players to feed off of uh as you can see he was pretty successful with Kreider uh over the past couple of years and Kreider is not exactly you know the best playmaker he's just a guy that can go north and south very quickly he gets in front of the net he can put in rebounds he likes deflecting shots and he's willing to cycle in in the corners and you know you know get the puck up to the point and and crash the net like and that's exactly what you need when you have a player like Zibanejad out there who can you know go the north south game cycle the puck uh he's got a hell of a shot and you know I think as long as you know Mika has a guy like Fox you know if they're you know coming down on a two-on-one or even Kreider I don't think he necessarily needs you know Sammy Blay out or Lafreniere out there to be successful so um you know, tell me I'm wrong. I mean, are you comfortable with with a Blay Gaudreau, uh, you know, knowing that basically Zibanejad can do it himself? 
Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I am, I think it's, or do you think that like Zibanejad deserves to have, you know, the best possible winger? Well, that's the problem. Um, There's a part of me that worries as, you know, the, those two guys get older, um, that they, they weren't exact, you know, they got absolutely crushed in the playoffs by the Crosby Gensel line. And obviously Mika picked his game up, but, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, they faced basically two teams that, uh, you know, you have good, obviously very good top lines because I don't want to count out um, players like Aho and, and Svechnikov and, and Stamkos and Kucherov, obviously. But, you know, I mean, it, it's just, I just worry about, I think you need one more really strong guy there to take on the best lines in the league every night. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, they're not the best defensive line. Obviously, everyone's like, oh, Mika's two-way game. It's fine. He's an okay defensive player. But, you know, him and him and Crowder are just fine, obviously. But, you know, I don't know. I just – there's a part of me that, that – I think Sammy Blay might be a better fit there because I think overall he might be a more offensive player. But I just think Barkley Kidrow is so smart as a hockey player despite being very limited skill-wise. He's a good defensive player, um, and he just does every the the things you need right. Especially when you know in, in important moments of games, you're really good at locking things down, and you know, yeah. And he's just willing to get in there and and forecheck hard and stuff. But Blay obviously might have a little bit more offensive upside and untapped potential because he is a little bit younger, um, and you know he's got really good hands for his size. It's just you know he was never the best skater to begin with, and now coming off this injury. It, is that going to impede him? But who knows? Uh, I ultimately think that I think they still should go with Sammy Blay in that spot and see how it rides. And if it's not working, then make the switch. But I think they should still give him a chance there. Because, again, he hasn't played hockey in a full year, so maybe it's not really fair to judge him based on just some preseason games. You know what I mean? Especially when they, they you know, maybe they're just he's just trying to make sure he doesn't pop anything out, you know? Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So full disclosure, I'm a bit of a freak when it comes to audio quality. I basically always have a pair of headphones in my ears. Uh, I'm either editing this podcast, recording this podcast, listening to music, listening to other podcasts. And I do all this when I'm working out, uh, walking around the streets of New York City, riding the subway, riding the bike, running for exercise. Uh, And recently, it's been an amazing experience. Um, And do you know why? 
because I've been using my brand new Raycon wireless earbuds to do all of it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever, and with their optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, they are so comfortable, they will not budge. Uh, trust me, like I said, when I'm running, riding the bike, just moving all out and about, they do not move an inch. Raycons give up to eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. And they're priced just right because you get quality audio at half the price of the other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Like I said earlier, I'm a bit of a freak when it comes to audio. So Raycon's three customizable sound profiles are perfect for me. If I want more bass, I can get it. If I want less bass, I can get it. If I want more highs, I can get them. Uh, I can just basically tailor it to the type of music I'm listening to and just how I'm feeling on any given day. Right now, go to buyraycon.com and use code THPN15 and get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's code THPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Again, buyraycon.com, code THPN15. I thought last year, you know, with the obviously we didn't get to see a full year of them, but I thought Blay was an, an energy guy and he had a, you know, nice touch with the puck and did a lot of the, you know, good things. And I think he would have been one of those players that uh, the fans fell in love with. And, you know, because I definitely fell in love with them and I only got to see such a small sample size. So, yeah, I mean, it, it it's it's one of those things where, you know, we're literally coming off a season where we made it to the Eastern Conference final. We are we are entering this season with hopes that we are going to actually improve upon last year. And we're questioning who the hell is going to play on the first line. I feel like that's kind of a scary question to be asking ourselves. But uh, given the situation, I, I just I'm so confident with, you know, everywhere else on the roster. It's just, you know, that first line, I, I guess you're just going to patiently wait until we bring Pat Kane. And then I guess what is that bump? You know, I guess that really just kind of bumps up crafts off maybe to that top line. Uh, yeah. Trying, trying to keep uh, Panarin and, uh, you know, Kane together. Um, yeah, I mean, Andy, uh, do you think. Well, I guess not the last question I have for you, but, you know, do you think that we're going to see either in the Boston game or the Islander game like a full roster or do you think it's still going to be split for the last two preseason games? I think I think you're going to see in the next game basically what they want the Rangers lines to be. And then judging how maybe some perform that might be a slight tweak based perform based if, if it doesn't go the way like if crafts off look like absolute crap, they might try someone else with Panarin and, and Trocheck, you know, um, just for example, or maybe the, the fourth line doesn't really work in the third game. They'll try whatever, another combination of it. But I think for the most part, you're going to see basically, I, I think you're going to see what we, what we've basically pen, uh, the, the media and you and I have kind of penciled in. I think you're going to see uh Blay with Kreider and Zabanajad and then, and Aaron Trochik, uh, crafts off the kid line, and then uh, Barkley Goodrow with uh, Ryan Reeves and one of either Carpenter or um, it may, you know, Jimmy VC, you know, because it just, I guess the, the problem is, you know, I assume they're, they're comfortable letting Goodrow play center, you know, even though he's not, he's been playing more wing 
I obviously he played center at times in Tampa and then at times in, in, um, uh, you know, in times in, in San Jose. And even sometimes, I think he played center a couple handful of times last year with the Rangers, just in games where they had injuries. But, um, yeah, I guess that's, that, that might have a big effect on it. So, but I think it's just basically going to be that it's going to be Reeves, uh, Goudreau, and then just whoever wins that last spot, the carpenter, is it, uh, is it a Jimmy VC? And I, I, I want it to be Jimmy VC. I think the guy's earned it and he's a good penalty killer. So screw it. They need penalty killers. They're going to let Dryden Hunt go. Although, you know, I think he's a better even strength defensive guy than penalty killer, but they lost a lot of penalty killers. They need a penalty killer. Or it should be Jimmy VC. Now you might not know the answer to this question. Would Hunt have to clear waivers if he would drop down to the Wolfpack? Uh, I'm not, I assume he wouldn't have, oh no, excuse me. I, I guess he, he. I don't even know if his contract's one way or two way. I guess I can go to cap friendly. Let's see. Let's see. Um, no, I. I um, where is it? Oh, cap friendly. Where Where are they put the? Whether it's a one way or two way salary or contract. Well. Anyway, as you you know, yeah. figure as out. I fish for this, yeah. Um. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about, and this is, oh man, I I don't. I'm gonna phrase this the best way I can, but I really do feel like that there is gonna be a target on Panarin's back, and the media and fans are gonna turn on him this year, despite his performance. Is there? Am I wrong for feeling that way, or is that is that coming? Like now that Strom's gone, I feel like everyone's happy with our defenseman. Uh, Jones is finally playing, so it's not like we, you know, have someone to point and, and if there's a Braun or Tenorti or or some or a Hayek, you know, you know, we have solid goaltending. Our forwards are all set, and I don't think people are going to start to point that Reeves, and I don't think Carpenter is probably going to get a ton of playing time. So they're not going to be able to blame him for anything. So they're going to blame the guy who's been our most productive forward over the last few seasons, uh, a guy who's probably one of the most skilled players in the National Hockey League, but he is making a lot of money, and people are, are just going to be like, well, if we didn't have him, we'd be able to afford you know, X, Y, and Z, and we would be able to win the Cup. I just feel like it's coming, and I just want you – I want your opinion, you know, on that and you know whether or not you even actually agree with it uh you know it's funny i i i think with tro the presence of trocheck and if panarin does what he says he is and plays more all over the ice i think it it won't come even if he doesn't put up as many points you know what i mean as long as his line is the puck more i could see truba before panarin only cuz now he's got the c he makes a lot of money. Um, Keandre Miller will probably end by the time the season is over, if he's not already, will be the best defenseman on that line or on that D pair, right? Mm-hmm. So I just think there's a lot of things lining up for him. You know, and obviously Adam Fox is Adam Fox, and Lindgren is a heart and soul guy. And obviously Truba was, was mostly good last year. He had his moments like everyone else, but he was mostly good. If he gets to see and doesn't looks like the worst defenseman in the top four, I think he's going to be. You think Drew was going to be the guy? Yeah, he's going to be the guy. You know, yeah. I could also see Braden Schneider 
being the guy if he continue if he doesn't take a step forward um because he's you know he has his moments too he's more of a meat and potatoes guy and if he's serving you more potatoes than meat then you know it might be a an issue but yeah i think truba it just i get the sense that he's if it doesn't go right he's gonna get a lot of the fan base's ire and you know uh, grief yeah, I I just think I think fans are going to give Truba a pass and I think that it's already set up that, you know, Panarin, I don't know. I just where did I see? I think Vince posted it, but like Panarin does like like doing like drills by himself like solo. I think people are going to start like being like you know, they're not going to you know, they're going to turn on the weirdness of Panarin. You know how he's goofy and he says a lot of funny things and he's kind of like a goofball and I don't think he takes himself or, you know, or his daily performance too serious because, you know, he is a professional and he's just so good that he knows one bad game, even though he's got two assists, is is still, you know, he's still going to, you know, turn it around. I just think with last year's playoff performance, people are going to just turn on him no matter what, especially if the Rangers are struggling. Now the Rangers are struggling out of the gate and they're hovering around that 500, you know, record mark, which is not the worst thing in the world to start out with, especially if we're trying to gauge, you know, what our lines are going to be. I just worry that, you know, once the fans turn on him, he's not going to be happy here. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just this, this is like the only road that I can see as going straight to negative town. And I know it's a stretch, but I do see a world in which this could happen. And I'm just a little nervous with it, especially because, um, you know, I think, you know, the cap is going to be the biggest question going into next year. And the two actually there's three bullseyes potentially. And obviously true was one, but he just got the captaincy. So I'm curious to see if New York Ranger fans give him a pass if he's not having the season that he did last year. And then I think Kreider is another one. You know, I think if he didn't score 50 plus goals last year, I think the fan base would have turned on him. If he doesn't put up at least 35 goals, I think he's going to get, you know, he's going to have the bullseye on his back and, uh, and, and maybe Panarin survives it. So uh, I, I just, what do you think? Do you think, you know, I should say, do you think Kreider is able to score his way out of, you know, being in the cross uh, crosshairs of uh, New York Rangers fan base? Yeah, I, I guess I just, you know what? I just really, I don't expect him to score at the clip he did last year. But that being said, I think for the most part, he's kind of figured out how to play a dying game in like, in a NHL world that doesn't play that way anymore, if that makes any sense, just because he's so big and strong and you're not allowed to cross-check anymore. I just think by nature he should at least be a 30-goal guy. I think as long as it's 30, he'll be he, fans will be like, okay, like we knew he wasn't going to score 50 again, but it's got to be at least 30. Can't be 29, can't be 28, it has to be 30. Uh, if I think if he has 30 goals, he'll be fine. And that's basically it. Anything under, he's... He's in deep shit with with every you know the fan base. But if he scores thirty, it doesn't really matter. No one expects him to be a, a big counting stats guy overall. You know, um, he could if they'd be happy if he had forty goals and then only uh, only like you know seventy points or whatever. I say only, but uh, or sixty five points. You know what I mean? Uh, they don't. You know, I just they're 
I think that's what they see him as now. He's the goal guy on the team, and he's got to get goals, apparently. So that's just the, the way I see it. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I agree with you, and it's a pretty, you know, high bar that he set for himself. But again, if he, I don't think he'll hit the negative person in me. The negative fan is going to say he doesn't hit thirty-five, but I think thirty-five is a fair mark for expectations for Chris Kreider. I forget what, um, you know, Vegas had for him in terms of over under in terms of goals. I, it was right around that mark. I think it might have been like. 38 which again fair maybe a little lower i i could see it just depends on how successful the rangers power play is because that's where he's going to get a lot of his goals and you know again it's tough it's tough you know teams are going to now prepare for the new york rangers power play they're going to defend it better but i think you know you have to really defend you know the the trigger position more and Kreider is just his net front presence is just so good that no matter where the shot is coming from, uh, he's going to be able to get a stick on it and, you know, plant his body in front of the goalie. So, uh, yeah, he's tough to defend because he's not really the person you need to worry about. Although he is the one that cleans up a lot of the, uh, aftermath of, you know, a blistering shot from the side or from the point. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you got anything else, Andy? I mean, I, I, you know, I know we're in the middle of preseason, uh, you know, we'll kind of know what, uh, the roster is uh, heading into the you know the last couple of preseason games, but uh, yeah, I, I have nothing else for you, Andy. Unless you got something. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, it'll like I said, it'll be interesting to see once they come back from their team building uh, bonding trip if they the basically what they practice the lines they practice with today in practice um, are the lines for Wednesday's game. Is that the game against the Bruins? Yes. And then what's the last one against the, the, uh, the Islanders? Yeah. Again? We're out in Long Island. Yeah. Have the Islanders, they played, did they, did they lose? Have they won a preseason game yet? I think the Islanders play tonight. Uh, I'm yeah, not- they do. They, it's flyers seven. Well, if they can't win that game, uh, it might not be good. Some things so good, but the, you know, I think with Pelican Pollock, you should win and Sorokin, you should win a game if you, that's the three you have, but if you can't win this game, Oh, <laughs> but again, it's a preseason grain of salt. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, it's obviously very exciting as this is literally the hundredth episode of season three for us. And we start, uh, season four, um, when our podcast drops, uh, for the first game of the season, which is super exciting. Um, and yeah, I, it's funny. It's just, I, the more, you know, sorry, I mean, this is great podcasting, I'm sure. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, going into the preseason, we basically we were kind of hedging our bets. Oh, I think they'll be good. I think they'll be bad. Think, looking at them now, I think they should be pretty much similar to what they were last year. I like their team defense. Everyone seems to still have the confidence. Uh, I think it's the biggest, honestly, for me, the biggest standout is I thought I really liked how, obviously, they had one stinker of a game. For the most part, I liked their no matter who was in the lineup, I thought the team had an overall better team defensive structure, you know? So, and I just think that's a symptom of just being comfortable and having guys returning and going that far into the playoffs. And I think that should it should definitely pay dividends for them going into the season. So, uh, yeah, I'm obviously, a part of me just wants the, the regular season to start tomorrow, but then there's another part of me is like, no, we need more time, you know? So, 
we, yeah, I guess we shall see. We literally have uh, nine days left. So it'll be exciting to see. Um, it continues to get colder, which means the ice will be nice and, and hard, uh, ready for the boys when it's time for puck drop for real. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.